Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 73 of the LARCast. This week, you are joined by I, me, Russ, as your host. Yes, I know, that sounds crazy. There's always at least two of us on here, right? And the conversation is always fun, and hopefully entertaining, and enlightening, and helpful, and all those other words that seem to fall into that bracket when you think about podcasts. But this week, it's just me. Had an opportunity uh, on this Thanksgiving holiday to get out of town, hit the road, visit with some family to celebrate what is my favorite holiday. Again, Thanksgiving. Hope yours was wonderful. Mine was filled with many laughs and family and friends and food. Food was probably the highlight. I know that's sad. Gluttony is a sin. Take this as my public confession. Pray for me if you will. But I naturally uh, enjoyed every minute of that food, ate until my eyes bulged, wore my stretchy pants. Yes, I know that's sad. Can't believe I'm admitting this, but it's true. But I love Thanksgiving. I love the food. I love the reclining afterwards and taking a nap, waking up to hit the dessert bar, only to take another small nap just so you can wake up again, catch a little bit of the game, head back to the buffet line, maybe even another little quick nap, followed by the dessert bar again. Yes, I know, I'm probably getting too excited even just reflecting on this in this moment. So again, pray for me. But on a serious note, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I hope this podcast finds you doing well. Um, I got just something I wanted to share with you. Uh, Coming out of our last podcast, um, chapter 11, John. We were going to just skip this week, um, just take a little break be with family, but I'm on the road right now and I decided, you know what, I'm going to pick up my phone and uh, I think I'm going to drop just a little short episode and hopefully uh, people will find it encouraging. But as I was thinking about our last episode in John chapter 11, if you haven't got a chance, back up one episode, check that out. It's a pivotal, pivotal just moment, this this turning point in Jesus's ministry where everything, everything he's been doing has been building and building and building and the tension has been rising. And any idea that we had of Jesus coming to bring like this, just this unity and peace, right? Like, yeah, there's a unity and a peace, but it comes with a true tension because that peace that we're longing for is found in dependence on him. And that's hard for a people who are clinging to the myth of independence. And of course, the unity, right? The solidarity that we long for, it's found in him, but it's found in our common brokenness, not our common success, Um, which is good because we're human and brokenness is the one thing we can all identify with. And of course, God and his goodness seems to take all that and use it to bring about a new people in and through his son. That's the whole point of the story. But man, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the grave, And the scriptures go on towards the end of 11 and says that many more Jews were believing in him as the Messiah because of this. Man, it creates basically a war zone and everything shifts right there, okay? Because you have all of these Jewish leaders, all right, who are not believing. 
They're not believing. They're actually digging their heels in and refusing to admit all the miracles they're seeing with their very eyes, including seeing Lazarus. Um, so they're digging their heels in because everything Jesus is saying and the following that he's gaining means they're no longer little mini gods. They're no longer the authority. The fame, the fortune, the power, the control, all that they've been able to, to build, it's all in jeopardy right now. And they're able to use this to even bring the Roman government into the equation because if these people are saying Jesus is Lord, well, then they're not saying Caesar is Lord. So that's a problem as well. And so all of it starts to turn. And I love that story of just what Jesus did there, which we got to really unpack in the last episode. But man, just grabbing on to this idea of resurrection now versus resurrection later. That was such an eye opener for me because I'd always heard about this new life in Jesus and resurrection, but it was always like resurrection one day, you know, like the way Mary answered, like, oh, of course, when we all die and one day in the future, we'll come to life again and be, I'll see my brother. And Jesus is like, no, no, the Sunday school answer doesn't work because the resurrection and the life is standing right here in front of you. Okay. So this isn't resurrection one day. This isn't resurrection a week from Tuesday. This is resurrection now, new life right now in Christ right now, today. That's what this is. And here he stands giving evidence to this when he speaks, Lazarus come out and Lazarus comes out of the grave, <laughs> right? Like, man, just so encouraging that, that God takes the brokenness, the death, the only things that we can bring to the table, okay? He takes that all of it unto himself and brings life. He takes, he takes what's dead and makes it alive. He takes what's old. He makes it new. He takes what's been buried and has it walk around again. And that's not just something one day that new life is found in Jesus right now. Okay. And that's what we got to see in John chapter 11. But the thing that really hit me is man, how easy it is to find ourselves looking at these Jewish leaders and pointing our finger and saying, yeah, man, too bad for them. It's almost like they're the problem in the world and we're not. And that's where I often find myself. I find myself aligning with all the Jewish people who are seeing this and believing and going, amen. But I've also find myself struggling because if I'm honest, I live in a constant tension daily of belief and unbelief. There's moments where I'm believing and grabbing on to what is true and good in Jesus. And then there's moments like the Jewish leaders where my sense of control gets threatened and the lordship of Jesus is something that while, I, while I'm ascribing to in my mind and even declaring with my lips, isn't something that I'm really reclining in, if I'm honest. And I think it's, it's just easy sometimes to just look at these guys and like, just in a sense, like push them to the side as the problem in the world. But again, it's like, no, they were definitely a problem and they were digging their heels in, in this myth of independence. But, and I do the same in moments of my life. Maybe you do as well. And so I think there's just this sort of eye opening thing that's happening here in John 11, where we're seeing ourselves rejoicing in this resurrection. Who's that, that is now this Messiah, this life, this God himself and we're rejoicing with these people who are seeing this and believing in him. And we're also seeing ourselves and the people who are going, yeah, I believe too. But man, I don't, when it starts to rub up against what I feel like I'm trying to control, the, the life that I'm trying to build, 
when, when Jesus begins to be an affront to that, man, I find myself acting just like these Pharisees. And so I think we sometimes have to just pull back, right? We have to, we have to stop and see ourselves in the story. We have to stop and go, yeah, um, like Adam and Eve in the garden, I also, okay, <laughs> along with these, these Judean authority, these people that are, you know, the authority figures here, these Jewish leaders, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these, like them, I start to believe the lie in moments where my little, you know, imaginary kingdom is threatened that God cannot be fully trusted, that my humanity is a problem to overcome. And controlling my destiny is is not only needed, it's possible. And God will be pleased with it and you know, in regards to how well I perform. I start to believe, like many people then and today, that that this act of disobedience that we see in the garden with Adam and Eve, that that's what led to the disconnection with God. And so I set out today and tomorrow, hopefully not, but today, yesterday, times past, I set out with this desire to fix disobedience with talks and tools to help myself and help everybody else do better. It's what's, uh, it's what's known as an improvement theology. Okay, We talk about that in Reclaim. If you haven't got a chance to check that out, you can grab a copy. Just go to larksite.com. Um, you also find the Reclaim course there. That's not, hopefully that's not a shameless plug, but on a serious note, like we really do dive into this whole un, just improvement theology that these Pharisees were holding on to that was keeping them from letting go and grabbing on to the very resurrection standing in front of them and what he was doing. It's a belief system, you could say, that just continually sees like behavioral transformation is the goal and spiritual disciplines are the solution. So let's get it right and let's remove anything that's standing in the way. But according to Jesus throughout all of John and the rest of the gospels, better decisions won't work because the problem we have is, is a disease that we can't exercise our way out of. Clear direction and discipline, you could say, are pretty useless to someone drowning in a riptide. And that's what we are, humanity, drowning in a riptide of independence, okay? And seeing anything that threatens our independence as the problem, and then working very hard to stomp that out. That's what these pharisaical leaders were doing. And if I'm honest, I can find myself getting there as well on a regular basis. And so I think we have to pull back and go, no. And we have to do this almost like daily, if you think about it. We have to almost daily stop and discover that the, remember, you could say, the core issue in the garden was distrust, not disobedience. This is why whatever happened to Adam and Eve when they bought the lie of independence continues to happen in every person since. The scriptures refer to this timeless spirit of self-reliance as sin. It runs in our veins. And Jesus, knowing we would never choose the only way out, which is our death, right? Admitting, admitting this myth of independence that we bought. Jesus goes on and dies the death that we wouldn't. And he rises into the life of dependency that we rejected. Yeah. You see, a world drowning in a riptide needs rescue, not reform. And in Jesus' words, that rescue operation is finished. 
We call this a replacement theology. See, the difference between that and what these pharisaical leaders were grabbing onto and we ourselves in moments of our lives. This is different. This is a replacement theology. This is an understanding of a God that sees disillusionment as the goal and trusting in the reality of Jesus as our very life with God, not just one day, not just resurrection tomorrow or resurrection a week from Tuesday or resurrection when we die. No, it's seeing Jesus as our very life right now. Okay. We have been replaced by the perfect son. And as Colossians three says, we've been hidden in him. Ephesians two goes on and says, seated with him in his resurrection right now while we're walking around. This is our reality because Jesus is life and in him we dwell. That's why it's not resurrection later. It's resurrection, new life. You could say now today, this is the good news of the gospel. And the invitation that Jesus seems to be extending to everyone as he keeps teaching and sharing and doing miracles, like raising Lazarus from the grave, is this invitation to give into the riptide of this imaginary us, you could say, this, this myth of independence that's killing us. Give into it. Let it kill you, please. Because you cannot be born again, as he showed us in John 3. You cannot be born again apart from dying to the myth of the independent you that you think you're living in. The call to take up your cross from Jesus is an invitation to give up, not get better. And so free falling into God's acceptance, into him as our life, into him as our death, free falling into him as our resurrection today and tomorrow, our very existence, to awaken to this, to free fall by faith into him who is life is where freedom is found. That's what Jesus is showing us. That's what he continues to push us toward. The question for you and I, as we've been going through John and here we sit with a reflection at the end of chapter 11, I think the question for all of us is, will we hedge our bet, not just on eternity, but even today, will we hedge our bet like Adam and Eve by continually bringing a parachute to every equation in our life because God can't be trusted? Or, or will we, like Jesus, free fall into the daily life of dependence, the life of faith, the life of grace, you could say, the only life God has actually given us? That's where I am today, on the road, traveling with family, um, making my way back toward Florida. That's where I am. I hope that maybe you find some encouragement in that. Um, I pray that you will. I feel like it's good news. And uh, I feel like, yes, it's also mysterious. And it's a little mind-bending, mind-blowing, you could say. But amen. The, The goal of this podcast is not to make everything simple. It's actually the opposite. We're trying to open up the scriptures and let let it read us instead of constantly trying to package them into something that we think we can control. It's the difference between life and death. So to that and to you, I say until next time, we pick up in chapter 12 with episode 74. Cheers. Cheers.